Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 344 for Tuesday the 21st, no, 22nd of April. 22 of April, 2014. So nice to have you here. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Hillary Rumble. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Hey, tonight, uh, I want to say happy Earth Day. And to celebrate, we've got a year supply of Eco Alkalines batteries. Uh, we want to help you go green this Earth Day, so stick around. We're going to be telling you how you can win those. Um, also, we've got a ton of viewer questions. We're going to be continuing on with our viewer question extravaganza tonight. So you don't want to miss out, especially if you've sent in a question, but it is going to be an eclectic and exciting show. We say happy Earth Day, and I want to say happy birthday Hi. to Egamoto, one of our loyal and true blue fans. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday this Earth Day. <laughs> Coming up in our newsroom, we got a lot of interesting stories. Lacey has had a credit card and password leak in its online store. Ooh. Virgin Media had a glitch with their mailing list that allowed users to send an email to everyone on their list by replying to all. The FBI's facial recognition system is being challenged over privacy concerns. And lastly, the iconic all-in-one personal computer... Armstrad CPC 464 turns 30 this month. Wow. Stick around. These stories are coming up later in our show. Okay, now I feel old. (laughs) How about you? Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 344. Hey, check out our website, www.category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can visit that at cat5.tv tpn and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Thanks, Hill. What do you think of the t-shirt? Love it. Been working out. Shirts are available. They're available in our merch store. I'm gonna get this right this week. Shop.category5.tv. Who was the genius that called it a merch store and yet gave it the URL shop? That that's what messed me up. Shop.category5.tv. You can pick up one of these. But guess what? You know, we have a top secret coupon code just for you. It's top secret, so don't tell anyone. So it's just between you and me. Coupon code save me money. All one word, all lowercase. Save me money. <laughs> you will get 20% off of your t-shirt order. So if you're contemplating and on the fence and thinking, yeah, I'd really like one of those cool t-shirts. Well, now's your chance. Save me money is the coupon code to use to get 20% off your order. 
www.category5.tv. Of course, Category 5 is available to you free of charge on your Roku device, on your computer, on your television, all over the world. We've got a, a massive following all around the world, and it's made possible by your contributions to the show, the sales in the merch store, uh, but especially through cat5.tv slash C. If you find that you're enjoying the show, if you find that it's entertaining, or perhaps you've learned something from the show and it's really helped to encourage you to try new things with technology, if you're checking out Linux and it's all on account of the show, whatever your case may be, if you love Category 5 TV, please throw something in our tip jar. It's cat5.tv slash C. And I bring, I've been bringing this up the past couple of weeks, pretty much, you know, because we don't talk a whole lot about money here, mm-hmm. where we are donation supported and we have a very small amount of advertising on our website, which if, if uh, something grabs your attention, please do click on it and support the show in that way. But fact is, is, you know, introducing Roku, introducing to all of these new viewers does cost a little extra money, a little. So um, it, it would really, really help us out to uh, participate by helping finance the show. For sure. If everyone just gave a buck, we'd be set. So imagine how far any That's true. Can go. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> some people in the chat room wondering if there are um, different sizes available, such as uh, I didn't see the actual question, but it looks like the curiosity is whether, um, say, XXL sizes mm-hmm. are available, things like that. Absolutely. Even though we don't have them listed, if you would like a larger size that is not currently available uh, in the drop-down list, you can order that as a custom order. It just costs about $10 more uh, because that's what the manufacturers charge. So right. just to keep things simple, we have put it up, I think it's from small to extra large because the price is the same. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Uh, as soon as you get into the larger sizes uh, beyond extra large, then the price goes up about 10 bucks. So if you don't mind paying the extra $10, just pop me an email live at category5.tv and I'll make sure to hook you up. Sounds good to me. Thanks for that question. Mm-hmm. Busy show ahead, so I don't want to take too much time on, uh, you know, just, you know, all this announcements, I'll call them. Housekeeping. Yeah, this is the <laughs> housekeeping, the stuff that we got to sweep away. Um, we do have one last announcement, though. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a music video. We've oh, done a couple yeah. of music videos in the past. We've got another music video coming up, and I would love for you to be in the music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to grab a camera. HD is preferable, but not necessary. But we, of course, would rather it be 720 or 1080p. So if you have a, a video camera and you can film yourself, all the details are on my blog, baldnerd.com. And when you're there, just get the deets. Uh, but in particular, as you're setting up to shoot your part of the video, um, just think, okay, well, if I live you know, in New York, it might be cool to do this with something, something iconic. New York. Yeah, yes. iconic. You can probably think of a couple things. Uh, so, you know, set it up so that there's something in the shot that looks pretty cool. So that's all it is. Baldnerd.com. Bald nerd. The bald nerd is beside me. <laughs> Here he is. I've just turned up Hillary's mic there just to kind of improve you there. Dennis Kelly, thank you for your note in the chat room. Hopefully that's better. Sound check. Sound check. Sound check. How's can that? You, can you hear me now? Hey. Oh, the beauty of live television. There it is. And that's why we love our chat room because they're always so helpful and always chatting about things and have questions. But we also have questions in our email inbox. So ready to I tackle think this? We're ready. Pitter patter. Let's get question extravaganza. Woo! New theme song. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Numero uno. Josh Federoff writes to us. Um, hey, Josh. That 
Oh, this was his first time watching the show. So this was a couple weeks ago, and he had watched episode, I believe it was 298. Oh, yes, cool. it was. And um, so he was trying to figure out how you do a live stream for his church. So we mentioned on the show about using a 300 millimeter camera. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, he's wondering about the possibility for shooting in church uh, videos. And um, so he's just curious, I guess, about... Um, some of the hardware that we use, wires, adapters, um, okay. and anything that would work well and pair with his um, T3i hmm. camera. Okay, so setting up in a church environment. The, the prob- here, I'll just give you really, really quick what you might run into uh, when you're setting up with a, like a 300 millimeter zoom or something like that um, is camera shake. So if you are at the back of the auditorium and you're filming right up at the front, if you don't have a really good, solid tripod and somebody walks by and the floor just kind of vibrates a little bit, it's going to be a huge amount of shake just from little footsteps because that's that's the nature of that type of zoom, right? It's anything. You remember the old game where you shot the missiles up and it was, you know, um, scorched earth? It's It's kind of like the... You know where the camera's pointed. If there's a little bit of a bump, it's going to look like a big bump. So that's what you got to watch out for. Um, DSLRs. I haven't had a lot of honestly, Hill. I haven't had great success with getting a DSLR mm. to work for live broadcasting. For recording, it's great. We had Nikon Hacker on the show uh, a while back, and I encourage you to check that out. Neat thing about hacking your camera and, and with your uh, T3i, you could use um, the Magic Lantern. Uh, firmware hack oh. hmm. it takes away the limitation on how long you can record for so the nice thing about that is if you're not live you can set up the t3i zoom in push record and just let it record record on the mixing console as well pardon me do not use camera audio you need to pull it right off the microphones that are on the stage and then mix it all in post-production um, that's ideal because then you can get the really, really great quality. But because you want to broadcast live at the same time, then you kind of need a supplement. So um, output from a DSLR can be finicky. It can be, it can be good, but you've got to be really, really close physically to the computer itself that's doing the broadcasting because HDMI has limitations as far as distance. Mm-hmm. So you'd be, you, you could either get an SDI converter which takes the HDMI output from your digital camera, converts it to SDI, which can go much longer uh, distance, put the camera up at the front with a a 55mm lens and get a better picture, Uh, especially when it comes to the lighting on the stage and stuff. It's going to turn out, you know, you're going to have better white balance and everything. Uh, But then you'd run the SDI cable to the back and then convert it back to HDMI on an input or to go straight into a DeckLink card or something with SDI input. Um, that may work better for you. If you if you can, if you have the budget for it, it, of course it sounds really, really nice because we all know when you push record on an HD uh, DSLR, you get really, really good picture. However, when you stream from an HD DSLR, it's not, you're not going to get the same quality. It, it still has the advantages of a nice lens, but uh, you don't get the full... 1080p as you would with the recording so you're better if you can to buy a nice prosumer uh, camcorder that would give you a really really good picture but make sure it's got the uh, the ability to manually adjust the white balance and manually adjust the exposure those are the key things because and this uh, you see this we, we've seen this before hill where 
in in this kind of an environment, like in a gymnasium, mm-hmm. zoomed in on a stage with a hand camcorder, <laughs> because of the spotlights, everyone's face is white. You can't see mm-hmm. anything, and it's blindingly bright because there's no manual white balance, no manual exposure. You can't really adjust that. You need to be able to do that in an environment where there's a lot of light here and not a lot of light here, mm-hmm. right? So, good luck. Let me know if uh, if you have any you know further more specific questions but hopefully you're able to to get something going that's going to work really really well for you i'd encourage you to consider if the budget allows uh, getting a prosumer camera if you care to cat5.tv slash bh is a great shop if you go through that link then you'll actually be supporting the show in a way because a portion of the sale will in fact go toward category 5 tv nice so we'd appreciate that win-win all around Okay, so we have another question here coming to us from Orange Man. And um, he's saying he's been using Windows 7 for quite a bit of time and and enjoys it. Does programming as a hobby. um, But a lot of the programs that he uses, he's been running on XP. Which, Uh as we know, rest in peace, um, XP. So anyways, (laughs) he downloaded... um, Virtual XP from the Microsoft website so he could run Windows 7. Okay. Um, and it was called Windows Virtual PC. It seems to run similar to VirtualBox. I tried to run the programs using Ubuntu and Wine, but it did not support it. My question is, is it safe to use and free from the weaknesses of Windows XP? I do use a virus killer, Norton Antivirus. I'm concerned, though, about the security issues concerning the program. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Uh, Any Windows XP system is going to be vulnerable and susceptible if it has any amount of network access. So the key Mm. thing, if you're going to run a virtual machine with Windows XP, it's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I recommend doing that mm-hmm. because it's not the ideal situation, of course. But if you have applications and you absolutely can't get it to work any other way, then an XP virtual machine may be the only thing other than updating that software. As long as that virtual machine has absolutely no networking access, then technically you're safe because anyone port scanning, anyone trying to hack into systems is simply not going to see that Windows XP machine. With a virtual machine, if you remove the network interface from the virtual hardware, it's it's exactly as though you've got a Windows XP machine sitting in the back corner completely unplugged from your router, not connected to your network at all. Mm. The pain with that is that transferring files between the virtual machine and the host or other computers on your network is not possible because there's no networking. So it's not ideal but if you don't need networking anyways, because maybe the software is n- not a, an internet-based software, and so it's okay, just get that network interface out of the virtual machine. Um, another alternative um, would be if you were to, um, if you know a, a fair bit about networking and you understand the security, then you can create a uh, a virtual uh, network that would contain the Windows XP machine into a fake network that is not connected to the outside world, then you're stepping into some more advanced stuff and and, uh, I think it's probably easiest and best just to pull that network interface altogether. And then at least you can operate without the fear that somebody's going to hack in Mm -hmm. and take over your system, which is really what it boils down to with XP now. Right. That's the Mm -hmm. issue. All right. Good question. Okay, I have another question. Awesome. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pump these out, okay? Cool. We're just and I'm gonna... watching the chat room here as best I can. Uh, I understand that the chat room has mentioned that YouTube may be having issues tonight if you're watching live. Fall over to our VLC feed um, if you can't find that. Uh, Roku, you're mm-hmm. on VLC, so that's cool. Uh, our HTTP stream. Uh, Jot, if you have, oh, he's actually posted it there. Uh, Cat5.tv/rtsp is an alternative link as well to be able to watch live through your web browser. So, technology. You never know what will happen. Who would have thought we'd be watching TV through our internet connection, say, 10 years ago in 720p? I know. Crazy. All right. Let's do this question. Coming to us from Leland. How can I set up my Firefox browser so that I can run the JavaScript function Blackify on every page by default or for Mm. night viewing um, or something similar? I would tip five bucks to have that. Sold. Tipping five bucks. Okay, I like the strategy. So if Robbie can help me with this, that's fair enough. If Robbie can help me with this, then I'll give you five bucks. That mm-hmm. five bucks could maybe go into a pool toward a new video camera. We were mentioning tonight we're using a webcam because our main camera isn't doing that great. It's a little bit, you know, I'm kind of off to the edge here and we're having <laughs> trouble getting a proper focus and stuff. We'd love to get a, a new camera. Mm-hmm. Five bucks is not a lot of money to one person, but if 10,000 people gave five bucks. We'd be rolling in it. We would be on a <laughs> beach right now broadcasting live. Oh, but of course. That'd be awesome. Okay, so Blackify, there's one thing that I really, I, I sit down here and I, you know, my wife sits next to me after the show and, you know, I've got Facebook up and everything. And I said to her last week, I said, oh, Facebook is so annoying because who are their designers? It's just a great big white screen. And if you're like me, you've got this big old monitor that is like 10 million lumens. It's like staring at the sun. And F, 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 F is not a good color for me at late night. Okay? Straight white. So Blackify takes stuff like Facebook and says, okay, well, that's way too bright for my eyes. Let's dim it down because Facebook doesn't give us that option. I'm using Facebook as the example because it's the perfect one. It's very white. Why is there not an option to do this? So I got to earn five bucks. Let's see if I can figure this out for you. I (laughs) got to find a cube face. There we go. Okay. Nice. So the tool that we need to look at is called Stylish. 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 Um, and now that we know what uh, Blackify is, let's go to userstyles.org is where we'll find it. There we go. Restyle the web with Stylish. Okay, I'm sure we can find it here. Blackify. No. Stylish. Blackify. Blackify too. All right. Blackify. There you go. Blackify. Wouldn't it be nice if Facebook kind of looked like that? Look at this. Okay, this style will replace all background colors and images with black. All text will be changed to light gray. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so what do we need to do? We need to first, to use this style, install Stylish. See, what we're doing is we're making it so... Because Blackify, traditionally, hell, you have to go to the website. It's blindingly... <laughs> you're staring into the sun, and then you close the visor by clicking on the Blackify <laughs> button. 
And then you go to the next website, and it's blinding, and then you got to click the button again. Now, what Stylish does is it takes over the style sheets oh, in your browser okay. from the browser standpoint, and you can click around, and you don't have to worry about burning your retinas. Interesting. You don't have to wear sunglasses when using Facebook at night. Mm. Good idea. Okay, so let's see if I can do this. The, I'm in Chrome right now. Of course, the same thing is going to happen in Firefox. Uh, don't mind the advertising here, guys. Of course, you know that we're just looking at a website here and don't have the power to change what they're advertising. Uh, okay, so Stylish has been added to Chrome. Now, I can click Install with Stylish for Blackify. Install Blackify. Yeah. Whoa. There we go. La, la. Done. Stylish now has Blackify, and I can disable, I can oh. enable, and it's built into my browser. Now, this works again for Firefox, for Chrome, cool. and I just got me some five bucks. hey Eagerly Thanks for that. the question. <laughs> Tip jars at cat5.tv slash C. Just, just so you know. I think that's a great tool. I mean, that's a good way to do it. Uh, but that is a serious, serious problem with the brightness of monitors oh, these yeah. days. Oh, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Loud and clear. There you go. Cool. All right. Next question. Let's pump these out. All right. This comes to us from Main Plus. Hey, yeah. I really love the resource monitor widget that appears on your Point Linux screen. Can you tell me what it is and if it's Ubuntu compatible? All my searches have drawn a blank. Great show, by the way. Cheers. From Main Plus. Okay, so you're looking at our desktop. You see these really cool CPU monitors, which apparently I've got some virtual machines running right now because CPU Zero is running pretty hot. (laughs) Uh, I've got my calendar. I've got blah, blah, blah. I've got a hard drive space monitor and clock and... I set that up uh, quite a while ago. If you go over to our website, category5.tv. And uh, now when you search, you know, the search engines, of course, you're just you're just looking in the wrong spot. You can search over here and search for, you know, widgets or whatever in our search our network. Uh, but I'll tell you, it is uh, episode number 310, which was this season. So if we go to current season, which is, uh, if you're watching this in the future, be note, uh, just make a note, that is season seven we're currently in. So go to season seven, and we're currently at 344. So just scroll down a ways to 310. Look at all this great content, folks, that we're giving you for free. Oh, crazy. Oh, you know what? It was season six, because season seven started at season, uh, at episode 315. So jump back to season six. I'm going to make this real easy for you and take you there. Episode 310 is right there. There it is. Desktop widgets for Linux. So if you visit that episode, episode number 310 on our website, category5.tv, you will actually see how we installed those things, how we got them set up, how we got them working. It is called Screenlets. It's an old program. It's probably deprecated, um, (laughs) but we run a little bit old school around here. Probably won't work on things like Ubuntu because they're, you know, pushing forward the envelope we're holding back the envelope because i am i'm a bald nerd who is a little bit old school yeah i love it i'm running it on point linux is the distro that i use here oh yeah there you go thanks for the question there you go all right i think we got time for another one all righty okay this comes to us from flavio hello flavio oh it is quite long is it actually do we have time Maybe, actually, yeah. I'll pick a shorter question. Now that she's already said 
Flavio. Sorry, so he's Flavio. all excited. Yes, my question. I'm sorry. I oh. read the first part and then I didn't read the bottom. A little part. bit of a note to you. If you send in a huge long email, the co-host has the power to. I, I would like to touch on what. It, well, we'll come back to we'll Flavio. Can we? Yes, the news? we definitely okay. can. Um, I'm gonna hold her to that. I will come back Flavio. to Flavio. Don't be mad at me, please. We'll come back to it. Okay, this comes to us from Anton saying, I'm having a Pentium 4 dedicated just for banking, but unfortunately Windows XP is finished, as we know. Mm. The home page was the banking page, and for years was just all, it used to do the banking operations, and no other sites were visited, no downloads, no other programs, nothing. Now XP is dead and is no longer safe. Could you give me some advice about safe banking on Linux? I'm thinking about uh, Ubuntu, or no, X Ubuntu? How do you Zubuntu? say Zubuntu? I, I say Zubuntu. Say, I was going to say Zubuntu. Okay. Zubuntu, but any advice would be appreciated. I'm not a big specialist in Linux, and any tutorial would be welcomed. Okay. Well, online banking. Of course, that's something that some people are quite almost afraid of. My mom is. Yeah? <laughs> uh, where can we go? I'm going to just type in Royal Bank because it's one here in Canada that I know of. Uh, what is it? RBC Royal Bank. Okay, so... Let's bring it up. Here I am in Linux on the Royal Bank website. Now, we know that Heartbleed just happened. Yes. Okay, So that is a bug that has made everyone go, whoa, I thought that my online banking was supposed to be safe. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Well, they've fixed that. There is a, a, an unfortunate kind of perception that things can be unexploitable. And the fact is there are always going to be ways for hackers to figure out a way but secure connections are a way that we can know that we are at least as protected and as safe as possible. So let's take a look at the Royal Bank website. What I notice here is that up at the top in my address bar, it's a www, blah, blah, blah. It is an insecure connection. There is no lock and key. Okay? If I go into sign in, it should change to, there it is, a lock. And if I click on that lock, it says that this is an identity verified website for royalbank.com. So I know, using the Royal Bank as the example, that this particular uh, website, login form, is identified as royalbank.com. That is where I am. So I know that that is identifying them correctly. If I was sitting at a Royal Bank sign-in, or a TD Canada Trust sign-in, or whatever bank you deal with, Scotiabank, or Bank of Montreal, whoever, and the security certificate either didn't exist or said that uh, that it was different. Let's say that this said this certificate is registered to www.royal with a 1 instead of an L bank.com. See, that's how they get you because they'll, uh-huh. they'll register something like royal with a 1 bank.com. So you'll think looking at it that that's Royal Bank mm-hmm. at first glance, totally. but that's actually a 1. So you got to watch out for that kind of thing. But knowing now that, okay, we are on Royal Bank and we do have a secure connection. Let's see if I can get back to my secure. There it is. And we know that it's identified. So this is a secure connection. As I transfer my data, it is going to be encrypted to and from this particular server. If there is no secure certificate, then it is unencrypted. So that means it's plain text. Mm-hmm. If you're in a coffee shop and somebody else is in there and they know a little bit about packet sniffing, they can do worse than 
than Heartbleed by monitoring the entire transaction from your login process. The banking systems use secure certificates, so assuming things are safe, because of Heartbleed, you know, is a big wake-up call for a lot of us, um, but realizing that that has been patched, that is as safe as it gets. Open mm-hmm. SSL certificates are really to be considered safe at this point. They are encryption and, and secure for the for that transaction. So that's really the key thing that you want to look out for. Make sure that it has secure login, that you have a secure certificate that identifies the website correctly, and that the website domain that you are on is in fact the bank that you are looking for. So if it has any kind of weirdness to it, if it's royal with a one, <laughs> then you know that there's something going Sketchy. on there. It's, it's probably a phishing scam. Keep in mind that a security certificate can be purchased by anyone. So if I was a, uh, a phishing scam artist and I wanted to register a, a fank, uh, f- fank, fank. fake bank <laughs> login form, it would be fairly easy for me to create a, uh, a fake login form yeah. and make it look like your bank and then register a secure certificate. So a secure certificate in and of itself is not to tell you that it is safe because a phishing scam website can have a secure certificate. Mm. The secure certificate, though, when you click on it, as you saw there, it tells us a little bit more information about who the identified party is. Read into it. Make sure that, it's, uh, that it is who you're looking for. And another mm-hmm. thing that gets people. This gets people. <laughs> what do we do? We open our browser and it takes us where? There. So when I ha- have a business card, it might be Google, it may be Yahoo. Yahoo's a worse example because it's just like it's so cluttered with stuff. So yeah. when, when I get onto my computer and I think, and this is important, if you're, if you're reasonably new to computing or if you're not too well-versed at the internet, Pay attention to what I'm about to explain. <laughs> this is really, really important. When I say my bank is, what was it? RBC, rbcroyalbank.com. Okay, so I know that the domain is rbcroyalbank.com, but I'm here at Yahoo. I'm going to go here and I'm going to type in rbcroyalbank.com because I know that's the domain, right? right? And I hit enter and, oh, it gives me this whole list. Oh, and okay, well, I'll click, oh, here's one. I'll click on it. Whoa, wait a minute. This isn't rbcroyalbank.com at all. This is buyerpricer.com. This could be anyone. Yeah. Because I typed in the domain name in the wrong place. I searched for it. So any one of these results could be a fake trying to get you to log in to their fake website, giving them access to your bank account information. Never put it into the search. That could be Google. It could be Yahoo. It could be Bing. It doesn't matter. This is your address bar up here. Mm-hmm. RBCRoyalBank.com. When I hit enter, I do not get a list. I get the bank website. Mm-hmm. That is important. Very, very important to recognize the difference between your search and your address bar. When you have the address, a .com, something from a business card, something from an email, it goes into the address bar not into the search. <laughs> search is for keywords. So if I was looking for a website, right. you know, category5.tv is our website. If I didn't know the name of the show, I might or the, the domain of the show, I might go into the search and type in technology TV Hillary Rumble. Ooh. And that is a proper search, search, right? So if I'm over on Yahoo and I type in 
Technology TV Hillary Rumble. Oh, there we go. Category 5, tech.tv. It's going to take me to the right place. Because I, I was using keywords. I was trying to find something based on words, not mm-hmm. domain name. Right. Because I know the domain name, I'm going to put it in the address bar. I'm not going to put it in the search at all. Hope you were listening, Mom. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, those are some good tips, Robbie. So thank you for that. Yeah, thanks everybody for sending in your questions. Mm-hmm. We do have more. Oh yes, right. Oh, we yeah. got a we got a mail. If you have mailbag, it is full. Oh, it's we so love heavy. Questions. All right, so you ready to hit the news? Because we're we just gonna news. we're just gonna rock these. What do you say? Ready to rock. Ready? This. Here we go. Here are the top stories from the Category Five TV newsroom. French computer storage specialist Lacey has said credit er, credit card details and passwords of shoppers who use its site may have been stolen. The hard disk maker said the FBI had alerted it to indications of a hacker having used malware to copy details entered into its online store. It added that the suspected breach was thought to have lasted from March 27th of last year to March 10th of this year. Oh, yikes. Experts said it was unusual for such a problem to go unnoticed for so long. A statement on Lacey's website said that shoppers should check their bills for fraudulent charges and that they would need to change their logins when its store reopened. Boy, oh boy. Crazy. Virgin Media has apologized after some of its customers received hundreds of unwanted emails because of a distribution list error. Anyone clicking reply all... On a recent customer service uh, customer services email, was able to message everyone on the mailing list. The email was sent to inform customers of changes to Google services. The information commissioner's office said it was looking into an alleged breach of data protection rules before deciding if action was really necessary. Virgin Media said it was investigating exactly what happened and confirmed no more replies were able to be sent. It said the problem related to a subset of its Virgin.net email customers, but it did not know the precise number of people affected. Although customers' addresses were not themselves were not shared, anyone pressing reply all and entering into the email chain exposed their own details to thousands of others, and the company urged people not to do so. Campaigners have raised privacy concerns over a facial recognition database being developed by the FBI that could contain 52 million images by 2015. The Civil Liberties Group Electronic Frontier Foundation obtained information about the project through a Freedom of Information request. It said it was concerned that images of non-criminals would be stored alongside those of criminals. The FBI says the database will reduce terrorist and criminal activities. As well as facial recognition images, the program is being developed to include the capture and storage of fingerprints, iris scans, and palm prints. Creepy. Getting close to person of interest. Creepy. This year marks the 30th anniversary of one of the most iconic ancestors of today's tech gadgets, the CPC-464. Launched in the spring of 1984 by British manufacturer Amstrad, the Color Personal Computer, CPC, was a success in its home market and across the European continent. The all-in-one personal computer, keyboard, monitor, and data storage, the CPC-464 operated using the basic language. The model was equipped with a cassette tape deck, fancy, a Zilog Z... (laughs) For listening to groovy dance beats. (laughs) 
No doubt. For sure. A Zilog <laughs> Z80A processor running at 4 megahertz and a four, uh, 64 KB RAM. Those are the specs. The first devices came with a monochromatic monitors, green, although color screens were soon introduced. Amstrad launched the computer to compete with the market leaders at the time, the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum. You can get these full stories online at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Manash. Roy W. Nash with contributions from our great community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, send us an email at category5, newsroom at category5.tv. From the newsroom, I'm Hillary Rumble. Thanks, Hill. Okay, get on over to cat5.tv slash <laughs> Free batteries. We've got some eco alkalines to give away a full year supply because we want to help you go go green. Uh, Today, of course, is Earth Day. These are carbon neutral alkaline batteries with 0% cadmium, mercury, or lead. Uh, They are considered landfill safe. Uh, if you will. Cool. So that means, you know, these are the, the most environmentally friendly alkaline batteries that you're going to find. Uh, batteries in general, uh, I should say, not just alkalines, but uh, yeah. eco-alkalines. We're giving away a year supply, cat5.tv slash free batteries. <laughs> the instructions are there. All you have to do is basically uh, like eco-alkalines on Facebook, share the post that cat5.tv slash free batteries <laughs> takes you to, and then pop me an email, contest. At category5.tv. Keep in mind that this contest is open until next Tuesday when we conduct the draw. Um, So if you're watching this this on Roku, if you're watching this after the fact, you can qualify. You You just got to make sure you get in your ballot before Tuesday. Tuesday, April 29th. That's right. Good luck, everybody. Can we say welcome to our newly registered viewers on the website? Just give a quick shout out to everybody. Uh, so nice to have you registering on our website, category5.tv. Uh, it's absolutely free, and we encourage you to get on over there, check out our website. You got your list? I do. I would go. like to welcome Big Red 1274. Don, 43085. GPA Bill. Mavergivel. Uh, <laughs> Madge <laughs> Sissiber. Web. M. Clank, welcome. And Siwluan. <laughs> nice to see ya. <laughs> Digital Scream, welcome. Gene Tunes. Master Chippy. TV Streamer. J. Silva 12. Third of four would be the Borg designation. Ooh. Anti Cross Modulation. And Tony. Bob Fan, so great to have all of you Thank joining you us at Category5.tv. If you haven't already registered, get over to Category5.tv. There it is down there. Visit our website and participate as part of the community. Cool. All right, you ready? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Flavio I know, has a Flavio. question that's going to take us to the end of the show. I haven't forgotten about you. I apologize. Okay. All right. Try to keep them short, folks. Uh, I know sometimes you know it takes a bit to... to qualify a question right. but um sometimes it's tough for us to to fit it in if it's if it's overly long so let's try to summarize and see what we can do windows user switching to linux specifically stella so based on the centos stella so centos so like a red hat kind mm-hmm. of deal to All work right. with 3d modeling uh, i use the programs like zbrush 3d studio max um Trying to think of a solution to mainly run ZBrush, a uh, native Windows program, as well as other programs on Linux. Okay. I found and watched episodes 
um, the one that we created, creating a virtual machine of your real system. So I'm not sure what um, episode that is, creating a virtual machine of your real system. Oh, uh, Becca and I actually did that up. Oh, okay. Um, so let me, if you go to our website, category5.tv, um, yeah, you'll definitely find it there anyway. It was the end of season six into the beginning of season seven, I believe. Fairly recent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it started with, no, it was right at the end of uh, uh, season six. Creating oh. a virtual machine with your real system part two happened on episode number 313. Uh, virtual machine part one, where are you? There it is. Part one was 307. Oh, perfect. There you go. So anyways, I guess in, in reference to those particular episodes, he found that ZBrush worked perfectly in the virtualization process. Great. Um, this program depends heavily on the memory. He's 32 gig and a video card Quadro 600. In VirtualBox, I can set up how much memory to work in clone windows. Okay, so that's a question. Mark? So, uh, yeah, uh, as long as you've got the host, uh, as long as your host has enough memory. Okay, so uh, keep in mind, as you create virtual machines, as you assign memory to those virtual machines, you're going to eat into your actual physical memory. So if I have... 32 gigs of RAM in my host, my main computer system, and I've got Linux running as my host, then I can create a Windows virtual machine and I can give it 16 gigs of RAM and I've still got 16 gigs free mm -hmm. on my system. But Windows now has 16 gigs of RAM. It's brilliant. So uh, you can actually assign specifically, why don't I bring up VirtualBox and I'll show you how it looks under System Tools, Oracle VM VirtualBox. Here we go. So if I were to bring up my Windows, oh, I didn't mean to double click on it. That's going to actually launch it. Let's see if I can close it, turn off the power before it goes into post. Okay, settings. We can go into system and you see base memory. I've got four gigs of RAM dedicated to this Windows system. Because I have 16 gigs of RAM in my host computer, I can in fact bump this all the way up to, it looks like eight gigs. I can put eight gigs into this machine. Hmm. So keep in mind, anything over 3.5, 4 gigs, you're going to need to have a guest operating system, the 64-bit, or PAE. And then if that's the way you're going to go, uh, you're going to need to enable PAE on the processor. Uh, if you don't know what that means, basically 32-bit only supports up to 4 gigs of RAM unless it supports uh, the, um, the extensions on PAE. So uh, basically 64-bit for more than 4 gigs, 32-bit for under 4 gigs. And there you go. So that, yeah, you can drag and change your memory. That's as easy as it is to upgrade your memory or downgrade. Huh. That's cool. easy. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if your software, your software should run okay in a virtual machine, as long as your processor is able to handle the, you know, it really, really helps if you have virtualization extensions on your processor. So any modern Intel processor, you know, an i7 and, a, and anything, you know, that's reasonably new is going gonna, is gonna to do quite well. Uh, just double check when you're buying because, you know, I say i7, but there are i7s that don't have virtualization, I think. Huh. Maybe not, but just double check that it has the... Uh, the virtualization extensions built in. That's going to really, really help performance. Okay. What else have we got? I see a like kind of a There's bullet list kind here. There's kind of a, a handful. I think the overall issue is yeah. um, he doesn't really fully understand the process of virtualization. Yeah, it's just complex. Wants to use Linux uh, running his programs that only work on Windows Seven. Sure. Um, since 
since all that I have is a box of EcoAlkaline's batteries, can we use this for the analogy? Certainly. Okay, so I've got all these all these batteries in here, right? Okay. So typically, can I? Th- I'm going to take out these awesome AA batteries. Can co-host There's win so the many prize, Robbie? Because I would love a lifetime. Su- Just don't tell anyone. Okay, <laughs> this EcoAlkaline's box is my is my computer. Okay, it's a physical computer. Typically, we we stick in a pack of batteries, which is our operating system. Okay, and that's our computer running our operating system. We've got one pack of batteries in there, and but the fact is, there's room for a lot more packs of batteries. Right. That's where virtualization comes in and says, okay, well, let's put that one in, and then on top of that, we're going to put in this one and this one, and now we've got three times as many things fitting inside the same box, right? But the, it still has to fit in the box. You can't put 50 different packs of batteries in here because it's right. only built to hold 10. It's not going to fit. So with you, with your virtualization, similarly, if your computer has 32 gigs of RAM, that means you can fit in a fair number of computers if they all need four gigs. Mm-hmm. But your processor also similarly has to support it. So virtualization works by having a host and a guest or multiple guests. Your host is the main operating system. So say Linux is probably the best one to use as a host because it's going to give you really good management over the virtual machines. And uh, and then your guests are installed into that host operating system as virtual computers. So when I so what I actually am doing is I'm creating little boxes and putting them in that box and the computer itself doesn't know any better. Right. It just thinks that I'm running in a lesser system, right? So if I've given it four gigs, even though my host has 32 gigs, the virtual machine only sees four gigs. Mm-hmm. This is virtual hardware. Gotcha. And then you just got to make sure to install, if you're using VirtualBox, things like VirtualBox Guest Editions. That's going to then install your graphics drivers so that you can have 3D acceleration, mm. which is another setting in, you, in here. If you want to have 3D support, you can actually enable 3D acceleration in your virtual machine. You can set up multiple monitors in your virtual machine. You can set up how much video memory you want to give it. If you're using it for office, you don't need a lot of video memory. If you're using it for games or video production, you may want to, right? So virtual hardware for your virtual machine is really just... Uh, you're divvying up the pie of your actual physical hardware. And uh, if you do it right and you keep it within the limitations of your physical hardware, you can get some really good performance out of those virtual machines, so much so that you would think that they were native, running solo on that computer. So, Good luck. It is a lot to take on, Flavio, as far as understanding virtualization and, and realizing that, yeah, it's basically like having two computers running on one computer. Right. I think it may help you if you have the resources to do so, why don't you get a second monitor and put this put one of your virtual machines up full screen on one of the on the second monitor and then it will give you the feeling as though you've got two computers. That may help you to my you know to learn yeah. your way into uh virtualization. And just you know we run into it we ran into it at work today somebody kept shutting down their host OS forgetting to <laughs> shut down their their guest OS, and so they ended up corrupting the virtual Ooh. hard drive, right? Because it's like pulling the power out on a on a computer. It's damaging your hard drive. So, uh, so you know, you've got to be careful too to shut down your virtual machine first, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. shut down your host operating system. True. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well made. All right. Good luck. All chance. Une autre question. Excellent. Alan from Hillsboro, New Jersey. 
I downloaded a copy of Linux Mint 16 Mate 32 bit, which I'm running as a test for my CD. It looks good, but there's some questions. Okay. So running it from the live CD, I yes. take it? Yes. So mm-hmm. he has a laptop. A laptop is over three years old. It's a Lenovo. He's wondering, is my laptop too old? Should I consider another lighter distro? Um, I think I have a 64 bit processor, so I lo- would okay. be advised to install the 32 or 64 bit of Mint. If Mint. you have. Okay, so there's an interesting question. Well, my processor supports up to 64-bit, but so do I get the 64-bit operating system? Really, what it boils down to is your memory. Like, look at how Mm -hmm. much memory you have. If it's more than 4 gigs, yeah, go with the 64-bit. If it's less than 4 gigs or 4 gigs, then there there aren't a lot of real advantages to going 64-bit unless you plan to eventually upgrade that. Um, in fact, sometimes it's a little more complicated to administer a 64-bit system, only because you got to get into multi-arc and understanding libraries that are, you know, 32-bit compatibility libraries and things, so that you can run 32-bit applications. But really, you shouldn't have any problem either way. If you've got more than four gigs of RAM in that laptop, though, you have to go with 64-bit. Otherwise, you're throwing that RAM in the garbage. You're not using it. Um, Realistically, I know some people in the, were probably thinking, oh, well, PAE will p-. Just realistically go with 64-bit in that case. A three-year-old laptop, though, I think is, is still going to be pretty screaming fast. Uh, Linux runs great on, on my 10-year-old laptops, <laughs> so uh, I think you're going to breathe new life into it. Um, Linux Mint, um, you know, we experienced it on the show here. I mm-hmm. thought it was all right, but not probably my first choice. Um, you might try... Um, Try distro hopping as a fun thing to do, to be honest, when you're first playing around with your laptop. Uh, I do find that, especially laptops, you're going to find that some distros work better on certain hardware. So give give a try to, you know, pick five that look nice to you. Because really it boils down to, you know, and, and people will say, well, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. It mm-hmm. just needs to perform well. Well, no, it's my <laughs> computer. I want it to look cool. Yeah, totally. I want people to look over my shoulder and go, whoa, what's that? <laughs> right? Um, there is that end of things. So pick some that from the screenshots look really good to you and then um, and then download them, install them, and try them out. See what you think. See which one you prefer. You are running from the Linux Mint boot CD, if I'm yes. not mistaken, the live CD. Mm-hmm. Performance is going to be miserable. Okay, Keep that in mind. So if you're looking at Linux Mint and you're booted from the live CD, you're thinking, oh, this is slow and laggy. Well, yeah, when you click on Firefox, it's spinning up your CD drive, probably the slowest media that you could ever have. Like you might as well be booting from floppy disks. It's so slow. So Hmm. it has to load it from CD. So anything that you do on the live CD, it's a great way to experience Linux the first time because it's non-destructive. It doesn't wipe anything out of your computer, but it is not giving you a good idea as to how your computer is going to perform. It's a laptop. I suggest grab yourself a cheap hard drive, a laptop hard drive, Mm -hmm. if you don't want to destroy what's on your hard drive (laughs) uh, without being able to go back. You know what? It's so easy to pull a laptop hard drive, put in another one, and then you've got a hard drive that you can just mess around with Mm -hmm. and totally do anything that you want. Install as many distros as you want. Break it. Who cares? Because you're just going to pull that hard drive out and put it in the other hard drive again and boot it up into whatever the operating system is. True. So you've got to, and you could probably find one from, you know, e-waste will have all these laptops that are, you know, the monitors are broken. And so, well, what do they do with the hard drives? They mm-hmm. shatter them. So yeah, I'm sure you can find one that would that would be worth it. But that's one way you can do it. But it's not going to give you a true representation of the performance until you actually install it on right. the laptop. Good point. You kind of touched on some of his other questions. Oh, so. good. 
Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Oh, I got a comment. I love comments. Okay. Hi, Robbie and Cast. I uh, just wanted to let you know I absolutely love the show, and I came across your Roku channel one day while surfing the channel store. Nice. I liked it so much, I joined the site last week, and now I am hooked. Awesome. I've also been watching on Roku since I don't always have time to watch the live show, but I try to make it when I can. I promise he will do that. Keep up the great work. You guys are doing an awesome job. You rock. Thank you, Marcus Howard from Alabama. Thank you. Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, great to have you here. Nice to have so many new viewers from uh, joining us through the Roku as well. Um, and great to hear from you. I love receiving your emails. Thank you. Cool. Got another question. Great. Um, Raul writes to us, hey there, great show. I'm a fan of yours. As a Point Linux Pro user, you may be able to help me with the only issue that will not let me use this nice OS. The wrong root password. I've been mm. unable to set it out. By the way, I'd rate me as an advanced newbie user. Okay. First of all, Raul, <laughs> I'm a fan of yours. So let's see if I can help you out. <laughs> okay. I have a, a Point Linux virtual machine here. Okay. So root password in Point Linux. I think what you're probably saying, now I'm logged in as Robbie here. So you see, I'm logged in Robbie. Okay. If I type SU, and it asks me for my password, and I enter what is my super user password. Oh, authentication failure. So then you go SU and you know try all the passwords that you know, and you're never, ever, ever going to get in. That's mm. simply because there is no root login for Point Linux, because it's just dangerous to do that. You should be using sudo. So like sudo uh, pluma. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do that. Maybe to edit, oh yeah, yeah, to edit your FS tab file. There you go. Now I'm a super user Pluma window. Um, so that's using sudo. But if you really, really, really want to be able to log in as super user, which I'm, I'm going to say I would, we're not recommending this. We're just answering a viewer question, okay? Um, do be mindful if you log into your computer as a super user, especially if you're logging into your desktop, uh, you can break a lot of stuff because basically you are running as a, the administrator user. And so if somebody tries to exploit the fact that you are the super user, there can be problems. So we need to go. Sudo password, <laughs> P-A-S-S-W-D, root. Enter a new password. See, because it's not asking me for the old one because there isn't one. Oh. The password doesn't exist because there is no login for root. So now I enter one. There we go. Password is updated for the root user. So now if I type SU, I should be able to enter my password and I am root. Nice. Okay. So now I have full access and I can do stuff. If I type in Pluma, I am indeed loading Pluma as super user because I'm the root user now. Now that I've done that, I've added a password for this user. Now if I go and log out of my computer, because remember I'm Robbie right now, right? Log out. I'm going to go back to my Point Linux login screen. And I'm going to go other. Don't ever do this. I'm just showing you that it works. Root. Enter my password. And now I am actually logged into my desktop as root. Which is a very, very bad idea. Ooh. But it works if you, because I'm just telling you, <laughs> I'm answering the question like right, you would right, want right, me right. to do. But see, if I go into my terminal now, I don't have to, I'm not, I am root already. See? So I can do an rm-rf and destroy my entire system. Ooh. Not good practice. 
But there's the answer to your question. <laughs> now we know. Don't do it. Yeah, I'll show you how to do it. Just don't I will it. recommend against it. <laughs> All right. Good call. And, oh, I should just end that by saying if you are new to Linux mm-hmm. and you think, oh, that's cool, then I don't have to enter my password all the time. Do not. Okay. If you do not understand why it's dangerous to do this, don't do it. Very bad idea. Okay. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. Root, root, root is a privilege for computer users and if you are running as root that is a very dangerous privilege to have Hmm. okay well thank you thanks for the question love it um have a comment actually again about our roku channel our new roku channel comes to us from megan mallon hi megan um so last week she watched it for the first time and she really would love to see more tech and science shows available on there we added one (laughs) what's a start Start. <laughs> she says the intro to the channel really had her laughing in a good way. Ah. It was a great first impression <laughs> for an old grouchy tech gal. So she's looking forward to your take on the new technology <laughs> today. So the newest episode she's looking forward to watching. It's funny, Megan, that you, that you say that. What happened is is that I launched the Roku channel. And I, and I kind of watch, you know, okay, well, what, what has this done to our statistics? Right. And I realized, oh, my you know what happens when a new show comes out on a medium like Roku? <laughs> Everybody thinks, oh, new show, start with season one, episode one. Oh, I see. Ah, so I thought, okay, no, I need to nip this one in the bud. So right. I created an introduction video. This is the humor that she's mentioning. Uh, and I guess Megan kind of got the, the gist of it. <laughs> but really, it. it's about, yeah, with Category 5, you don't want to start with season one, episode one. You may if you already love the show, but please don't let that be your first impression. Come a long way since then. We have evolved, if you will, (laughs) a little bit and continuing to do so. But here we are in season seven. Megan, it is so nice to finally have you here. We've just been waiting to cross paths with you. And uh, I'm glad you found us on Roku. Very cool. Well, I think I have just one last quick question. All right. So this comes to us from Jeff, wondering <laughs> hey, Jeff. about when we made the do-it-yourself photo booth for Abigail's wedding. Yeah. Said he went to the link um, to look, pull up the video but couldn't uh, find it and was just wondering about the booth okay. and where we can find this online. Sure. Category5.tv is our website. And sometimes that can be a little bit confusing, Hill, because we also have cat5.tv. Right. I'm going to differentiate those for you. Category5.tv, as you see down here, that mm-hmm. is our website. That's going to take you to our show. Yes. Cat5.tv is our short link generator. Think Bitly or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say go to cat5.tv slash free batteries, it's important not to type in category5.tv slash free batteries because you're going to get an error that that doesn't exist. Right. It's actually a short link. It's going to redirect you somewhere else. Cat5.tv does that. So if I mention a link on the air, cat5.tv slash whatever for... Um, for the photo booth, mm-hmm. of course, then you're, you're going to need to make sure that we type that incorrectly. And I know that can sometimes be confusing, but it's just the nature of our infrastructure. And I apologize that it's a little bit tricky. So 286 was the episode where, uh, you know, I would take a look at what happened with the photo booth. So that was at the beginning of season six. Nice. So I'm going to, I'm going to hop there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Jump down to the bottom. 286 is the number we're looking for. Notice where I'm looking is episode 273, episode 274. See that number? And I guess it's about halfway through. 286 happened right there. 
building a photo booth part two. And that, that was basically the photo follow-up episode where we actually did the build. Mm-hmm. So if you click on notes, all of not only is the video here, but all of the links and everything. Oh, so if you're looking for, yeah. say, that USB button trigger that we used, you can click that link and it will take you right there. Genius. So that's where you need to go to get all the links. They're all here. Um, and they, they'll all work for you. There we go. <laughs> We've got advertising playing, of course. That's there funny. And that helps support us, so so don't come down hard on the ads. No. Unless coming down on them is like clicking on them. That's helpful. So there you go. Episode number 286 is where you'll look for that. Terrific. Jeff, thank you for the question. And that is, I can't believe that I knew that tonight was going to go by fast. Flies by. But uh, there, there it is. Another viewer question extravaganza. How many did we get through? That was easily, there were a few. Ten. Ten. Ten questions in an hour, folks. There you go. Cool, dude. That's awesome. Thanks, Hill. Thanks Always for a blast. having me, guys. I'll see you later. Don't forget, okay? Got these eco-alkalines to give away. This is just a small representation of what we've got. We've got a full year supply to give away in Wild. lieu of Earth Day today. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing, make sure you qualify, okay? Cat5.tv slash free batteries. Also, uh, next week, Crystal Wells as... as I'm going to say as well, but it doesn't work with her last name. Crystal Wells and <laughs> Bailey J. Thompson are going to be here. Yay, and we're awesome. going to be talking with Ryan Kirkman and Thomas Davis. They come uh, from CDNJS. If cool. you're familiar with them, you think that's awesome. If you're not familiar with them, we are going to talk to them about how they are using their content distribution network to accelerate and speed up the internet as a whole. Ooh. Absolutely don't want to miss out on that very special feature and uh, it's been a blast having you here tonight so hope you enjoyed the show hillary always a pleasure to have you here thanks for coming (laughs) and uh thank you okay get onto our website this week category5.tv and i'll see you next tuesday night bye-bye we hope you enjoyed the show category 5 tv broadcasts live from barry ontario canada every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.